Hey, Sam, when's the last time a podcaster rejected one of your pitches? Just the other day, actually. And uh, yeah, it still feels very fresh. Uh, I bet getting rejection emails is one of the hardest parts of our job. And that's why we're bringing you an episode on how to handle rejection, because let's face it, rejection happens to everyone and we want to talk about it. And if you can go into a podcast outreach program, whether you're doing your own pitching or hiring an agency like ours to do the pitching for you, knowing that rejection is not personal and that is expected part of the process and having a plan to deal with it it is going to be so much easier for you to keep the momentum going. Yeah, and I think that momentum is such an important part because you very rarely have a perfect pitch right off the bat. You have to work on it, craft it, and test it. So being discouraged early on and giving up is like the worst thing that can happen in my opinion. Sam, it's so interesting because you joined our team having been on the receiving end of podcast pitches yourself. Surely you've had people that you've had to turn down from having a guest for a podcast because maybe they didn't fit, maybe it wasn't the perfect timing. And I'm curious what it was like for you to kind of switch sides of the table and actually start putting the pitches out there and facing that from that perspective of now you're the one doing the pitching who might be rejected. Mm -hmm. What was that like when you started? Really, honestly, it prepared me a lot because I knew that it was nothing personal. Like when I received a rejection. I could remember, and I still experience it because I'm still a, a podcast host. I remember those moments when I've had to turn someone down. And usually they come from people that I have a good relationship with because they've sent me worthy clients or very, very good, very accurate clients for like what I'm looking for. Clients, what am I talking about? <laughs> guests. They send me, they send me really good guests in the past. And I appreciate that. And because of that, we have that relationship in place. And I feel like out of courtesy, I have to get back to them and say, look, thank you so much for sending this guest. But it's going to be a no on this occasion. Usually I would take the time to explain maybe we're not looking at this or maybe we're looking to take a different approach on these things. And because of that, I knew joining Podcast Ally and entering this role that it wasn't personal, that they haven't just probably seen my name and thought he's got a stupid name. I don't want to accept his guests or anything like that. It's just how this works. And you know what? You get better as you go on. So yeah, it, it definitely made it easier for me. Well, and you're one of the few podcast hosts that actually takes the time to send somebody a no, this isn't right. And much less a reason. I mean, when we were thinking about what we'd be covering here, one of the things we talked about is what is a rejection and what mm -hmm. isn't it? Because honestly, most of the time when you're pitching a podcast host, if they're not going to book you, they're not going to respond at all. They're mm -hmm. just, you know, maybe they file away your email for later. Maybe they don't, but it's pretty rare to get any sort of no. And that silence can be just as devastating in many ways as the no's are because you're putting yourself forward and you're really not getting anything back. And I think that that is actually the mentally tougher part to keep going until you get to that first yet. And oh, that to me is like the hardest part. And then if you get a no before you get a yes on top of that silence where you're like maybe have 10 pitches out, you haven't had any feedback and then you get a no, that can feel really devastating. Yeah. Something happened today, which I want to share with listeners. We contacted a host back in March 2020 
And they got back right away and they said they'd be interested in having the guests that we pitch on, but they were not recording until June or July time. And they asked us to reach back out then. We followed up in June and then in July, but we never heard back from them. Then in February 2022, almost two years after we last had contact with them, they reached out to ask if we had any guests for their upcoming season. Two years, yeah? <laughs> yeah, two years. Two years. That is a hell of a long time. That broke all of our previous records. But I think another anecdote that I have, which literally just happened today, is the fact that you don't know what's going on on the other side of the email. So I had a podcast interview with a guest booked last week. They contacted me a few hours before to say they couldn't make it. That's absolutely fine. We rescheduled for this week. We rescheduled for today. And uh, when the time came for our interview, I was there. I was online. I waited, gave it five minutes, sent them an email after five minutes saying, hey, I'm on the call. Are you going to join me? Uh, are you available? Sent them the Zoom details still nothing and then i waited a 15 minutes in total before i signed off logged off and thought they're not coming and then an hour and a half later i received an email turns out they were in a and e or er as i think you folks call it and they had like severe kidney stones and they sent me a photo even of their like their situation in the hospital with the bills and other stuff just to prove like i'm not lying like i, I really am and in er at the moment so i'm not gonna lie like when they didn't turn up for the call i was pretty gutted and I was like, oh, this is stressful. They pushed it back. Now they're not turning up. And I think it's easy to just kind of assume the worst uh, when we don't hear anything back. But really, you don't know what's going on. And I say this so often, and you've heard me say this, but we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. And I think this is a case where like, even when he didn't show up to call, I would have booked him again because I didn't know what his situation would be. And I'm quite relaxed in that sense. Not all podcast hosts are that relaxed. Anyway, I've been rambling with these anecdotes for a little bit now, but <laughs> I'm going to hand the mic back to you, Bridget. And I just wanted to share those because I think they're really important. Yeah, well, and I think you're driving home sort of the crux of what we wanted to talk about in this episode, which is that you shouldn't read into anything. Take what people are giving you or not giving you at face value and don't tell yourself a story about what is happening. Because that was a podcast you were hosting, Sam, right? So mm -hmm, like the yeah. guests that they were in the ER, it'd be so easy to make assumptions. And it's okay if they never reach back out to just mentally move on. No one mm -hmm. would blame you for that. But the whole idea here is you don't need to tell yourself a story about what did and didn't happen and kind of extend that grace to other people. And also when you're pitching, extending that grace to yourself. And the whole point here is like not to tell yourself anything about what's happening not to read a story into it where you say nobody's getting back to me and not only like that means i won't book but most people tend to go much further than that right we start to catastrophize where we think mm -hmm. nobody is getting back to me my message may not be very good they must really hate my story they must really hate my branding maybe my website's not good enough they go down this whole downward spiral about all the things that not even that rejection, but that just lack of response in the moment can possibly mean and use that to beat themselves up. And that's where we really want to caution you not to allow yourself to go into that downward spiral. Now we're going to talk about when too many rejections start to come through and what you might want to do about that, because that's absolutely an experience that you have. But in general, I would say that most people take it to mean something way, way too fast. And don't change your plan so quickly because you can't tolerate the silence. And 
that's just before you haven't even gotten a rejection yet at that point, right? You haven't even gotten that podcast to say no, and you already can't tolerate it and start going into the spiral. Sam, I don't know. Do you think that there's a way that you can help the listeners think about what a rejection is or what it isn't while we're going down this rabbit hole here? Yeah, sure. So I think one thing to consider not being a rejection is if the hosts request that you respond back at a later date. So for example, say you pitch them in the winter, assuming you live in a a place that has seasons. Say you pitch (laughs) them in the winter and they ask for you to come back in the summertime. That's not a rejection. That's a lead or what we'd consider a lead because they're they're asking you to come back and it, it might just not have been a good time for them. Perhaps like you said, they're not recording at that moment. Or one thing that commonly happens is they might ask you to come back at a later date because they've just covered this topic. I recently mentioned this in a a newsletter and anyone that follows on newsletter might have seen this. And that's a really frustrating thing personally when people pitch the exact same topic that you just covered. uh, And the only difference is the fact that they're putting their client or guest forward. That can be a real issue for podcast hosts not trying to cover the exact same topic over and over again. Now, with regards to kind of a, a more gray area of like a probably rejection, is when they say something like, we're all booked up at the moment, but they don't really offer you a potential date to come back to them. Or when they say something along the lines of, we'll add you to our list of potential guests uh, with no real further details of when they're looking through the list or looking to, to get you back on. So I would tread carefully with those. It's not necessarily a full-on rejection, but they're probably not interested and they're probably just being polite, if I'm being honest there. Now I would say a definite rejection is when they say this isn't a good fit or thanks for submitting, but this isn't right for us right now. In that case, you can clearly understand and tick them off as a rejection. And as we've said up until now, that's perfectly fine. Don't take it too hard. Yeah, I think there are some things you can do sometimes to turn these rejections into relationship builders. I really believe that when a podcaster or anyone in the media responds back and says no to you, they've given you a gift. It is a big lift for them to respond and give the no to people. And so I would see that as a polite and a kindness and a gift they're giving to you. And you want to respond in kind. And whenever I see the word polite, I think of you, Sam, because I feel like that's your, I was going to keep going, but I feel like this is something that you could cover even better than I can. Yeah. I think it's like a running joke and it's true. It's like, it's, it's silly, but it's true that like us British are like super polite and almost awkwardly polite. I do actually have one anecdote and really to highlight this. Uh, I mean, my friend once someone tripped over near her as we were walking down the street and she just said, sorry, like blurted out the word, sorry. And I've heard this before. It's not the only one I've heard. it. I seen a tweet once where on the, the tube, which is like our version of um, the subway uh, in London, the tube came to an abrupt stop and someone accidentally elbowed someone in the eye. And the guy said that when he got elbowed in the eye, he just blurted out the word sorry. I mean, we throw out the word sorry, like like we're getting paid to. So like, I really do believe that being polite is very important. And yeah, it's not just because my cultural upbringing, but because there's so much value in being polite. And plus, you should just be a good human being that is polite. And it's very important when sending pictures. Then like you said, it's actually very polite of them to even get back to you and let you know that it's not a good fit. 
I'm interrupting this episode because I know you're here because you want to leverage podcast interviews. Maybe you're looking to grow your network or bringing new leads, or maybe you've been invited on a podcast and you're looking to get more intentional and proactive with reaching out to podcasts to suggest yourself as a guest. And most likely you're listening because you're looking for some help. Either you want some help with your messaging or just brainstorming the right podcast to reach out to. Well, you're in the right place, my friend. Our podcast planning intensives mean you don't have to do it alone. They're led by senior members of our pitch team who are working with podcasts every single day and me, which means you get two extra brains working on your podcast outreach and the programming. We'll work with you to identify which podcasts will bring you closer to your goals and write up your own personal pitch scripts for those shows. We'll help you put together a plan to leverage every interview, and we'll give you the context you need to book those interviews. Plus, we support you as you start that outreach process. Sound like a dream? Come on over to podcastally.com forward slash VIP to learn more about our podcast planning intensives and to get the help you're looking for. That's podcastally.com forward slash VIP, where you can find all the info and book an intensive. Now let's get back to the show. I will say that like when new people come into the agency, to me, the bare minimum that I want our team members to do when they get a rejection from a pitch is just say thank you. Could be as simple as uh, thank you so much for letting me know that this isn't going to work out. I really appreciate it because it is rare for a podcast host to get back to you and say that it's not going to be a good fit. So thank them. Thank them for taking the time. And I think that can often be noted, especially if you use it with some further research where we have this experience for our clients a lot where you'll pitch a podcast and it's just such an obvious fit in your own mind. Like, of course, this is the right podcast. We're so aligned for all of these different reasons. And in those moments when you get the no back, it can feel really, really devastating, but you don't have to treat that as a no forever. There are definitely ways to turn that no into a yes. And that first step is being gracious. And then the next step is doing some more research into that podcast or thinking more about what you can bring to their show, or even sometimes asking questions. When you're pitching a podcast, you almost always have to guess what kind of angle they want to have on their show, what kind of topic to bring, what kind of guests that they're going to bring on next, all based on what you know of the podcast, like the details in their description, what their show titles have been before. But sometimes you might be pitching a podcast in a moment of transition. That happens to us a lot where a podcast host says, you know what, this isn't a fit for right now. We're actually taking a break and reformulating our show. It's not an uncommon occurrence to get something like that. And so we might follow up and ask, okay, well, are you going to be relaunching? Do you have a date in mind that we can check it out when something new comes up? Or if there's any kind of topics that you're really looking for that you haven't been able to find a guest to speak to or a specific guest profile that you're looking for that you haven't been able to find yourself, like, let us know. We're always happy to make that connection for you. Now, that approach is probably pretty specific to us being like the pitchers, um, but even if you're doing it for yourself, you can do things like that. You can say, oh, well, if there's anything that you want to have a guest on in this broad range of topics, I hope you'll keep me in mind. And there's just opportunities there to follow them on social media or listen to the show more and go back and say, I know this wasn't a fit the first time, but here I am six months later, I've got something new. I wanted to run it by you. And I think that 
in those ways where if you don't treat the no like the end, but you treat it as an opportunity to have more curiosity, it can really yield results for you down the line. And I will say we have pitched clients to podcasts where we've gotten a no and then something evolves through our work with a client six or eight months later, we'll pitch another topic. And we have absolutely seen those no's transform into yeses. And if you're doing it just for yourself or on behalf of yourself, you don't really have the options that we have as an agency where we'd be like, oh, you don't like that one? How about this guest? Or how about this guest? But I think it could be a fantastic way of relationship building. If you have anyone in your network that fits into that, that you know would make a good podcast guest, because even if you don't go on the show and you don't actually take the position, but if you connect to the host with someone they're looking for, you're able to make that connection then that is as well establishing a really good relationship. Also, I want to say a quick shout out to Finka Herakovic because she actually mentioned this in a recent podcast she featured on. She was a client that I worked with and um, I was really inspired by that. And that's why, why it came to mind necessarily in this interview. So yeah, quick shout out to her there. Yeah, absolutely. One of our clients has a podcast um, called The Copywriter Club. And they were just telling me about some of the guests that they are looking to reach out to and bring onto their show. And I just said, the person who manages their booking, send me the list of your ideal guests. Because if I have any sort of connection to anyone on that list, whether or not they're a client, I'd absolutely be thrilled to make that introduction for you. And for our agency, like that's a big way that we build relationships with the podcasters and be a resource for them. And again, like there is this distinction if you're listening and doing it for yourself, whether or not making those contacts for the hosts might depend on what your bigger picture strategic goals are for your podcast outreach. But one of the overlooked benefits of being a podcast guest is the relationships you can develop with the hosts because podcast hosts are influencers, right? And one of the things that I have experienced in building up my own business for over a decade now is early on in my business and to this day, to be perfectly honest, I was just at a conference and, and saw this again and again and again, is that it's those relationships that you make and keep and develop and maintain that take your business into directions that are even bigger or more exciting than the ones that you could have envisioned for yourself on your own. And so if you look at the podcast host as somebody who you want to integrate into your network and have a relationship with, and then you're thinking, okay, a really good way to build a network is to do someone a favor. And what an easy favor it is to make an email introduction to them, even if you weren't a fit. So I would encourage you that even if your motivations aren't as like direct or your benefits aren't as direct as ours, if networking or being on a lot of podcasts is a big part of your strategy, it can be worthwhile to follow up and say, oh, awesome. Like, what kind of guests are you looking for? Like, if it feels right, don't force this sort of thing. You can always fall back on the, thank you so very much for letting me know. I really appreciate it. And then follow them for a while and think if you wanna follow up, don't force it if it doesn't feel natural. But sometimes they might have something where they're saying like, I'm changing a direction and you can approach that with curiosity. Like, oh, is there a certain kind of guest profile you're looking for? And then they respond and you know somebody, you can make that connection. So like, you wanna bring your humanity into this, right? <laughs> you wanna be like a full person and not just look at what you're gonna get out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh my gosh, yeah. Sam, I feel like we should probably start winding down. Like how long have we been talking about rejection? I think there's one more thing that we wanted to talk about, which is when is the rejection actually a red flag? Because it's all fine and dandy to say, it's not personal. It's not about you. It's not about the value that you bring the podcast. Don't catastrophize. But 
maybe there's a point at which you're getting enough no's that you want to take another look at your pitches. Like what kind of things trigger that for you when you're doing outreach for our clients? Yeah, so I suppose uh, usually when I get some direct feedback, that's obvious that I should be taking action on or should kind of develop into the pitch or incorporate somehow. So I did actually get feedback from one pitch that I sent out a while ago. And they said, thanks, but not really a good fit. Way too soft and fuzzy, not particular or unique enough to be interesting to our listeners. And I think that that was really valuable because the truth is you mentioned about how we go through this testing phase process. And for this particular pitch, I don't think it was able to really leave the testing phase because we did need to go back and and reapproach this. So this feedback was very useful. And I think that like soft and fuzzy, I mean, it, it kind of says it all really. Those are the words which for me, like says it's this podcast wants something more to the point, actionable takeaways, something with a clearer message. And this was just not serving that. This just didn't provide that. Was it more of like a, a mindset kind of pitch? Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. So it was essentially about a rebranding. And I think that honestly, it just wasn't really clear. It didn't offer enough information on really what the rebranding served as and how it served and like why like a rebranding A is necessary and B like what the actual takeaways like if you rebrand, what should you do? And what are you going to get out of it? I think we kind of alluded to those things, but we weren't really strict enough in our examples. And actually, you know what, with this client, we then went on later on to really refine the pitches more to be less soft and fuzzy. And we put a lot of effort into doing that. And then we started to see some genuine results. So I think that this really did help and that they were on the money. And yeah, I really appreciated getting it. Yeah. And I want to point out because two things, one, if you are pitching yourself, probably a podcast host is not going to be that direct with you. Like, I think that they treat us as people who do this for a living. And this is our job with a little bit more directness than they give directly to when the guest is pitching themselves. And it's sort of a double-edged sword because you need to be able to keep your confidence up and to keep the momentum going to keep pitching yourself. And something like this can be very derailing but you're not always going to get the benefit of having such great direct feedback because this feedback where it's saying that the topic was way too soft and funny and not practical enough doesn't mean that the client that we were working with at that time was too soft and funny or that her work wasn't practical or unique enough. It was just the way that we were messaging it and positioning it. And so this was really good feedback for us to have where obviously this podcaster wasn't seeing in email what we were and We try really hard to get it right, but sometimes we are not going to get it right right out of the gate. And hearing something like this from a host early helps us course correct and understand how we can change things. So if you're listening, you probably won't get something from a host, although some hosts will, um, this direct. But if you can, again, it's not about you. It's about how you're positioning yourself for the podcast and what they are looking for in their own guests. So that's another thing is like, you want to look at, okay, is this podcast content representative of all the podcasts I want to be on? Are they really similar? And should I take their feedback on board or can I disregard it? Is this really an outlier where they're looking for a very specific piece of content and maybe I didn't work hard enough to adapt to what they were looking for from what I would do in another kind of pitch. So you really want to run these filters to yourself and say, 
what does this mean? What do I need to take away? And what can I actually leave? Because you don't have to leave yourself open to accept all of the feedback you're getting, but you want to approach it with, I think curiosity is the theme, right? This curiosity of why would they be saying that? Like reread your pitch with new eyes and say, do I agree with that? Is that happening here? Do I need to change something? And then you can go forward. So Bridget, like if people are listening and they've got one rejection, we've told them like not to worry. They got two, maybe still not worried. Three, like at what point should they start to be worried that their pitch is like just not working and they need to rework on it? Oh, wow. That is such a good question. So the way I look at it is that you are going to get rejections, of course, over time. The more pitches you send out, the more rejections you're going to get. But at the same time, most hosts won't reject you. And so I think about it as like a ratio. If you send out five pitches or even 10 pitches and you've gotten three rejections back, that is definitely a moment where I would pause and say, what could possibly be going on here? Why might I not be having my pitches going through? And that could be anything from that you're not suggesting specific enough interview topics. So one of the areas that people almost always go wrong when they start pitching is they share their professional bio and all their credentials, but they don't actually suggest a topic that they're sending a pitch. So that's a really easy way to identify that, hmm, maybe I'm not giving a topic. Or maybe the pitches themselves are a little bit off topic or out of the realm of what those kinds of podcasts usually do. So again, that, that'll that have to be a whole nother episode that we'll dive into, like looking at what might be going wrong with your pitches if you're getting a lot of no's. But that's the place where I would look. If you have you know three out of 10, so like 30% of your pitches are getting no's or even 20% over time, that would be a red flag to me that something is going wrong because it is rare to get a lot of no's. Like I'd have to look into our data about this, but I think, I wonder if this bears out in your experience, Sam, like even if over a course of a project, we send a hundred pitches for a client, probably not getting more than 10 to 12 no's over a course of over a hundred pitches. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, like no's are few and far between. I mean, they do suck, but like, like you said, it's very rare that podcast hosts or producers really get back to you. A lot of the time you don't hear from them or it's a yes. So yeah, you shouldn't be getting that many. You know, it just, when we talk about this, it's sort of funny to me that we just did a whole episode on something that's not going to happen that often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think but, it's just more the point of like, when it does happen, it hurts. That's the, that's the thing, but you're, you're right. It's kind of funny how we've come this far. Well, and there's also the point that like the fear of the rejection is often worse than the rejection yes. itself. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you might be so afraid that you're going to start pitching people. Like one of the things that I've seen happen is that somebody might be in a community or have a relationship with a podcaster where maybe that podcaster runs a group program that they're a member of or has mentored them in some capacity and they want to be on their podcast. And they are afraid to pitch that host because they're afraid of what that person who's been a mentor for them is going to think of what they're reaching out. And it is that fear of rejection, or in that case, sometimes even the silence can be really brutal where you've invested so much time and effort into that person's community. And that can feel like a sting. And those things can really hold you back, which is where I think that mindset piece comes into it. And also understanding that the pitches you send to a podcast aren't necessarily being reviewed by the host, the person that you know. So if you're a, a member of a community and you pitch somebody, they might have a 
VA, a virtual assistant or, or a podcast booker or a producer who is filtering all of those guest submissions and looking for something very, very specific. The other thing is, is that if you have a weekly show, there's 52 weeks in a year. So if you're doing 52 episodes and they're all guest episodes, that's not that many episodes when you think about how much people tend to want to draw in from networks. They have their own priorities. They also have guest spots open for pitching. Sometimes it's a timing thing. Like you might send somebody a pitch to talk about branding and maybe they haven't had a branding episode go on their feed for 11 months, but they just recorded one the day before you pitched. You couldn't possibly have been expected to know that. You can't control it. One of the things as a business owner I think about all the time is that the only thing you can control in your business are the actions you take and that you are responsible for the actions. So when you're pitching, you're responsible for the, doing the research, finding that right fit, sending your pitches out to the podcast, being incredibly polite and gracious no matter what they say back to you, but you cannot control the outcomes. And often those outcomes really have very little to do with the worthiness or the value of the message or the ideas. There's so, so many other factors. Like we'll pitch a perfect pitch to a host and hear back that they just went on maternity leave or that they're reformulating their content or that they have all of their content scheduled for the rest of the year. This stuff happens all the time or during the pandemic, like things have just been really shifting for people as the pandemic reality shift and people's childcare is all messed up. So you just want to kind of keep that in mind and take what you can when you get the no, but don't let the fear of the no hold you back and stop you from sharing your message into the world. Absolutely spot on. I think uh, that was a very important and empowering point to finish on. But before we do wrap up, if our listeners take one piece of information away, I think that should be a piece. But on top of that, Personally, what do you think is the one take-home point of information that they should take away from this this show? What should it be? Yeah, I think the quick summary of, of everything we've just said is that rejection is a normal and expected part of the process and that you don't need to read into any sort of rejections that you get. So let them mean what they mean. Take the podcasters at face value for what they're saying. So if they're saying we're all booked up, don't read a story into that that means that your message is worthless and doesn't deserve to have space on a podcast. Just take it at face value. Know it's part of the process and don't let that hold you back. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree. And I would say the only thing I'd add to that is it's not just rejection, but also silence. I was thinking then like, we obviously did spend this whole episode talking about something that rarely happens, but you also just do have to prepare for silence. And I think uh, that it is a mindset thing. Don't read into it like you said. Thanks, Sam. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love it if you run over to Apple Podcasts, if you like this episode and leave us a rating and review. It helps other people find the podcast and we'll see you next time.